This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Woohoo! Isn't that good worship tonight? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad you're here. God bless all of you. Need a Bible? Get your hand up real high. If you're watching on live stream, we're glad to have you. I, I'm just going to share real briefly here on our tithes and offerings. If you need a Bible, keep your hand up. Actually, once you get a Bible, go with me to Lamentations 3. We'll get there. But just with the tithes and offerings, I want to share something that kind of was birthed last night in Tuesday night prayer. And many times we, we don't give thanks very well. And I say we as Americans, we're so blessed. We just, we just don't give thanks very well. And I encourage you to begin to give thanks. But we begin to give thanks last night to start. And as we were giving thanks, I, I said, thank you, Lord, for my toothbrush. That's cr- kind of a crazy blanket statement, isn't it? Thank you for my toothbrush. Well, off of that, there was something that had transpired in my life a number of years ago. And so I was in Juarez one, one weekend, and there was a missionary there. And he said to me, he said, I would love for you to go with me to the nation of Cuba. And I said, oh, yeah, why do you want me to go to the nation with Cuba? And he said, man, he said, I would just love to hear the word of God. Just to love for you to minister to him. And he said, I, I love to go to Cuba. And he said, I was raised on the streets of Juarez. And he said, you haven't seen poverty until you've been in Cuba. And I looked at him. And he said, every time I go there, he said, I try to give every pastor that I'm around $100. And he said, the reason I do that is, he said, they make about $14 a month. So $100 to them? And then he said, I give every one of them a toothbrush and toothpaste. And he said, you know what's crazy? He said, the next year that I go back, he said, they'll still have that toothbrush and that toothpaste if they hadn't used it all. And he said, they are so grateful to have a toothbrush. And when he said that, I I promise, I, I wilted. I looked and I thought, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, so I say that to us, that we, we are blessed, the Lord has blessed us, the Lord has blessed you. And if you're not careful, you become a habitual complainer. Better stated in the Swan Paraphrased Edition, you've become a habitual bellyacher, a whiner, a bedwetter. And I looked and I was like, Lord, I, I gotta do a better job to give you thanks. So I'm going to pray over tithes and offerings right now. And I encourage you as I do, just begin to give God thanks. Father God, we thank you for blessing our life tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us so much that we have an opportunity to give. And Lord, we, we repent right now if we've complained about the opportunity to give. And Father God, we come before you into your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, and we say thank you today. Thank you. Thank you for a car, thank you for shelter, thank you for shoes, thank you for I have food in my cupboards, thank you I have ice in my freezer, thank you again I have a toothbrush, thank you Lord I have a pillow, and I'm grateful tonight, in Jesus' name. Just be grateful, I tell you something happens when we're grateful and we voice it to Father God. 
I'm blessed and you're blessed. And I think at times we realize that. Okay, I told you to go to the book of Lamentations chapter three. As you're turning to Lamentations three, the faith closet is open tonight right after the service. Get your little blessings and then you can go up there. Then uh, Friday night is the exchange. All the young adults, if you think you're young, go to that. I'm not gonna define age. And then again, a week from tonight, the 24th is partnership. You need to go through that to be able to serve here, okay? So you can sign up for that online or out at the info table. Okay, I'm moving real quick, I know. Lamentations chapter three, you say, Lamin what? Lamentations, that would be right after Jeremiah and right before Ezekiel. Most believe the writer of Lamentations was Jeremiah. That's who this is. So, you know, we, we've been talking about faith in this area. And a number of weeks ago, we began to talk about something just begins to happen when I just begin to acknowledge God. And then that acknowledging God, it, it stirs up some maybe, some maybe faith, perhaps, possibly. And then it just stirs up hope. Now, I want you to watch in this passage how everything I just said begins to take place. Lamentations 3, verse 18. And Jeremiah said, my strength and my hope, which is my expectation, they have perished from the Lord. They're finished, they're done. I have no expectation or hope from the Lord. Now, I love his transparency there. Verse 19. Oh, Lord, remember my afflictions, my roaming, the wormwood, and the gall, which is my bitterness. And so right here, the prophet Jeremiah, he, he doesn't back off and, and say, you know, my life is smooth sailing. I never have any trouble. That's what he said. He said, oh, Lord, remember my troubles. Remember my pains. Remember the things that has caused bitterness within me. Verse 20. My, sto my soul still remembers and it sinks within me. I've hit bottoms what he's talking about. This I recall to my mind. This is I remember. Therefore, I have hope. The Amplified says expectation. One says, I, I have a firm grip on hope. Verse 22. Now, watch right here how he begins to acknowledge God. Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed. So he starts acknowledging, he said, man, my, my God is a God of mercy. And this, this is how he, he begins to dig himself out of this place in his life where he has no hope. My God's a God of mercy. Because his compassions fail me not. He begins to acknowledge, man, my God is a God of compassion. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So man, he's walking around, I believe, just like we can, and he talks about his mercy, he talks about his compassion, he talks about his faithfulness. Now watch what begins to happen within him here. The Lord is my portion. In other words, I'm gonna stick with God. Says my soul. 
when it says, says my soul, one translation says, says my soul over and over and over, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. I have an expectation and my expectation is in him. The Lord is so good to those who, what? Those who wait for him. The word wait there means to look, to expect, to hope. Actually, it has the meaning of waiting hopefully. To the soul who seeks him. And look at verse 26. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly. You know why I think he says to wait quietly? Because if we're not waiting quietly, Lord, time is ticking. God, do you not see what's going on in my life? And so I believe it's powerful when we just wait quietly saying, you know what? My God is never late and my God is never early. He's just right on time. He's just right on time. Just a couple thoughts for you to start here tonight. Now, I told you last week we're going to stay a while in Matthew 14. Go to Matthew chapter 14. The reason I read that, you're going to Matthew 14. The reason I read that is when trouble comes on the horizon and it seems like life is coming after you, just remember what he did. He boasts on God's mercy, he boasts on God's compassion, and he boasts on God's faithfulness. And something happens when I just begin to acknowledge the greatness of our God. And man, it stirs back in us hope. So again, one of the definitions of hope is, is an expectation. We need to live with hope and an expectation with us. So we go back to the, the passage here, Matthew 14, verse 22. I tell you, this is gonna be good tonight. Get ready. If you're a note taker, take notes. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat Remember what that means? He invited them or he strongly urged the disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes on his way. Now it said, get in the boat and go to the other side before me. So Jesus just tells them, I'm gonna go on the other side. I'll be on the other side. But the only way you're gonna get on the other side is you've gotta get in the boat. So to get in the boat, I gotta obey what Jesus said. And when I obey Jesus says, that tells me you've got some faith. Because you would've never gotten the boat to think I'm going to the other side if I did not believe what Jesus said was gonna happen, correct? So it may have been just a little bit of faith. It may have been baby faith. It may have been maybe faith. I don't know what type of faith, but they had enough faith to get in the boat, to go to the other side. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up onto the mountains by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So when I read this, you think about this. Now, you get the picture. The disciples obey Jesus. They shove off, and it says right there, they get to the middle of the sea, which would be the deepest part of the sea. 
And while they're at the deepest part of the sea, this storm comes up. This storm shows up. And I wonder if the disciples begin to think, whose idea was it for us to go over here in the first place? Why did we obey Jesus? But I read this and I have the thought, now listen real close to some of the stuff I'm getting ready to say. This will help you. Most of us in here, we think that the storms of our life show up because of disobedience. When storms start showing up, we're like, what did I do wrong? I got to re-repent. I got to repent. But listen, listen. What happens when the storms of life show up because of your obedience? That's exactly what happened. They obeyed Jesus, and because they obeyed Jesus, the storms of life showed up. So many times we look at the storms of life as being negative, but it could be positive. So I, I think in this sense with the storms of life, just like the song we sing, sang, why would Jesus do that? Could it be Maybe he wants to pull us a little closer. Maybe could it be because he wants to take us a little deeper in our faith walk than we've ever been before? And so let me ask you something right now. Are you in a storm of life? It may not be because of disobedience. It may be because of obedience. And could the, the, the deeper walk with Jesus, could it be to get us to a place where when Jesus tells us we're going to go to the other side, we don't question it. We just obey and say, Jesus said we're going to the other side, so this is what we're going to do. Let's not question him, maybe. Wow. So if Jesus sent them and said, Go get in the boat and go to the other side. What do you think Jesus was going to do when these storms showed up? I don't think Jesus was going to look at the, the disciples and say, uh-oh. I don't believe uh-oh's in Jesus' vocabulary. I, I don't believe he said, my bad, boys. Sorry. I don't believe he looked at him and said, I hope you know how to swim. I, I hope you have good life insurance. No, when the storm showed up, Jesus didn't freak out one bit. You know why? Because he told them in the beginning, get into the boat and go over to the other side before me. So you know what Jesus just said? This is what's going to happen. The only issue was he didn't tell them what was going to happen in between. So we keep reading. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Hmm. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. 
it is I, do not be afraid. Take courage, don't be afraid. And I wonder if the disciples started batting their eyes saying that's easy for him to say. But I begin to look and think about this timeline here. Everything that's taken place, the storms, Jesus walking on the sea. So we rewind to the timeline and we know he fed the 5,000. He feeds the 5,000. He puts the boys on the ship or the ship or the boat, sends them off. Then the Bible said that he hikes up to the mountain to pray. Now we know he's in the area of the Sea of Galilee. About three or four years ago, I got to spend some time in the Sea of Galilee. It is shocking or was shocking to me how much elevation there is in Israel. The city of Tiberias is just like this, I promise you, just like that. And it goes right down toward the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And if you left Tiberias, you would go to Megiddo where Mary Magdalene was from, or Magdalene, I mean. Not Megiddo, Magdala. And then right around that was Capernaum. And right above Capernaum was a place called the, the, the Sermon on the, the Mount, which goes just like this. If you go a little further north, you get to Caesarea Philippi. And you know what I realized right there? Jesus was incredible shape. Those towns weren't close. They, they didn't have buses. They didn't have motorcycles. They didn't have skateboards. These guys were bad to the bone, I'm telling you. So he walks up to the mountain, prays, hikes all the way back down, and then we know because of the scriptures, they've got hours of a head start. And what does Jesus do? He's moving across the water. And he comes co coasting up to him, and he looks at him and says, hey boys, be encouraged. Don't be afraid. Wow. And when I read that and I say, how could Jesus look at us and say, take courage and don't be afraid? You know why Jesus said that? Because we go all the way back to verse 22 again. And Jesus said, get in the boat and go other the side before me. He knew what was going to happen. And so when the storms of life come, just remember Jesus is the author of peace. Take courage. Don't be afraid. So we pick back up. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if the Jew command me to come to you on the water, Lord, if it's really you, Command me to come on the water. So the very first thing Peter does is he asks the Lord. He said, if it's really you, command me. If it's really you. And then watch this in verse 29. And so he said, come. And so not only did Peter ask Jesus, if this is you, tell me to come. Peter doesn't do anything until Jesus responds. And Jesus said, come. And it's like, you said, ask if you can come. So I said, come on, come on. Why am I highlighting this? 
Because before Peter ever does anything, he asked the Lord, and he waited for the Lord to respond before he did anything. But too many times as human beings, we never ask the Lord. You have not because you ask not. When's the last time you asked the Lord? And better yet, when's the last time that you waited until the Lord responded? Because human nature is when things don't happen on my watch, I start taking matters into my own hands and I start making my own plans and I start making my own decisions and when nothing goes right, even though they're my plans and my decisions, we want God to bless my plans and we actually expect him to bless our plans. But he never told us what to do. Has anybody ever jumped the gun like that besides me? It's not good. So Peter waits. And he said, come. Now this is gonna be a good re rewind in heaven. When Jesus said, come, I, I wanna see Peter's expression. I wonder how many times he batted. Really? Are you serious? Now here's another thought off of that. When Peter said, Lord, tell me to come, and Jesus said, come, I wonder if Peter asked that question trying to be the big shot, wanting to press all the other's disciples. Look at me, fellas, look at me. And when Jesus says, come, Peter wets his pants. Come. And so now Peter's in another place. And when the Lord said, come, I don't know Peter had 100% faith. But I know he had at least some maybe faith. Maybe some baby faith. And when I think about this, I, I don't know if he touched his feet in there, put his toes in there. Before he actually jumped. And this is all interesting because when the Lord Jesus said, come. Peter had a lot of obstacles. The wind, the waves, the middle of the sea, it's night. But you know one of Peter's greatest obstacles may have been the other disciples in the boat? Because none of them got up to walk out. And so many times my faith becomes impacted by the people I'm around. And I wonder if they said, Pete, are you crazy, dude? When's the last time you saw someone walk on the water? Pete, it's dark out. You don't have a life jacket. And so many times when we get around doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief sinks us before we ever start walking. That's why it's important that you stay around people that are believers, that they'll encourage you and they'll say, just walk on the water. Just go ahead and get out of the boat. And one of the things I want to highlight when I said, I don't know that he had 100% faith. I believe many of you operate a lot of times in our faith walk and we didn't have 100% faith. How do you know that? Let me ask you a question. When you got born again, did Jesus show up and hand you a business card and say, I'm Jesus? He didn't do that with me. 
And so I begin to hear the gospel, the word of God. And when I heard the gospel, guess what? It didn't make sense up here, but it started doing something here. And I heard that when you believe in your heart and confess Jesus with your mouth, you would be saved. You know what I thought? That's possible. Perhaps. But I went ahead and took that step. And many times, that's all we got to have is some maybe faith, that mustard seed faith. And so Peter right here, he takes the plunge. I want to help you just a little bit with this because this is what jumped out at me. Every time there's a storm and everything around you seems chaotic and crazy, just hold on to Jesus' words. Just, just hang on to Jesus' words. And I believe that's what began to happen with Peter. He believed and then he acted and it said, and Peter went, he had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Again, was the Lord challenging Peter's faith? Was the Lord saying, I, I, I'm doing this because I, I want you to go a little deeper with me? So I go back to a lot of the times in my life. I'm 20 years old, and I believe the Lord's called me to Bible school. And so off to Bible school I go. And you know what kind of faith I had? Maybe. Perhaps. Possibly. And I saw God move. And I, I remember years later when this church was planted. Not, nothing in the natural computed up here. But we had enough baby faith at that time to say, you know what, let's go ahead and do it. And then I remember when we bought this building. And they set us down and they said, we need your signature on this million dollar loan. I wasn't doing cartwheels. Woo, I'm 100% in. I had some maybe faith. I realized, okay. But what happens when I begin to take those steps of faith, whether they're baby steps, maybe my faith continues to grow and it gets stronger and it gets stronger and it's stronger. And I think this is what the Lord was doing with Peter that day on the storms. He said, come on, I want to take you a little deeper. I want to enhance your faith. I want to see, I want to see you grow with me. You know, um, years, years way back now, way back, way back, my, my mom and dad were educators and we would spend our summers in Oklahoma. They would go back and work on their master's degree. Well, it was a, it was a childhood paradise for me. My, my grandma lived on a farm, but there was a, a state park that was about 10 minutes from where we were at. And this, this state park had one of the, the coolest swimming pools I've ever seen in my life to this day. It was, it was built on the side of a hill in these cliffs, and it was massive. All the water came from spring water, and I'm telling you, it didn't matter what type of year it was, it was freezing. If you got thrown in, it wasn't pleasant. But everything was around these cliffs. And so on this big Swimming pool, and I want to try to get you a picture of it. On, on this side was a low diving board and a high diving board. And I'm telling you, that high diving board, it would launch you. You'd get close to the moon. 
You wouldn't hit the moon, but you'd get close. That pool was 18 foot deep. I mean, it was. But on the other side, looking this way, kind of catty corner, was all these, these big cliffs or like rocks that were plateaued. And one was a little higher than another one and then another one. And then there was Goliath, the big one. So we're little bitty guys. And we'd go out there and swim and, you know, we, we, we would... We would get a little bit more brave and a little bit more faith each day. And so we'd go off those little rocks and we'd dive in, we'd swim back. But day after day, we'd go up to the big one. And it came to a point we would look over with maybe faith and we'd say, not today, not today, not today. And, and I say we, there was about five of us, a lot of cousins and my brother. And so one day we go up there and we got maybe faith. Maybe today someone doesn't go and, and we're looking off. And I had a person that thought I needed some help. I need some strength and courage. So that person shoved me. And so, you know, you're going through there. I don't know whether to cry. I don't know whether to wet my pants. I don't want to know whether to fight. And next thing I knew, I hit and I come up. And I come up and I swim to the side of the bank and I go up the ladder and I come marching back up there and I get back to the top of the, the Goliath one, the big one, and I looked at him all and I just went in on my own. Now just minutes before, I didn't have any faith. Now I got maybe faith and now they're seeing my faith grow. And I think this is what happens to us as human beings. Sometimes the Lord's saying, I just need to give you a little bit of push. I, I see more potential in you than you see in you. And I believe that's what he was doing with Peter. He said, come on, come on. I, I, I'm not putting you in the storm because you're disobedient. I'm putting you here because you're obedient. And I want to enhance your faith. I want to see you become a, a wet water walker the rest of your life. And I believe that's for us right now. Why don't you stand up here? Oh, goodness of God, huh? There's so much in this story. But I want you to remember this, that when the obstacles and the storms of life come, hang on to Jesus. Hang on to his word. Don't, don't let go. Grip upon him. Don't you bow your head and let me pray here for you. Father God, we, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. Lord, I, I pray right now for every one of us that, Lord, you would stir up, you would stir up the God kind of faith in us. That, Lord, we would hear your word and not only would we believe it, but we would act on it. And I thank you tonight, Father God, just as we sang, pull us a little deeper in our faith than we've ever been before. And, Lord, I pray right now that just with your loving touch and your grace, give us a nudge from heaven. Just give us a nudge of heaven. And Father God, we thank you right now that we can trust that you're the God who does precisely what you tell us you'll do with no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And so Lord, I pray today, strengthen our faith and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube 
or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.